I'm gonna try chat her. Chair O'Neill. I've tried chatting her. I'm going to send her an email as well. Um, Jared, can we do a mic check with you? I'm talking. Everything sound okay? Yeah, that sounds great. Thanks, Jared. Laura. Andy, can we do a mic check with you? Testing, you hear me? Great. Chair O'Neill, can you hear us? the members of the public that are joining us for this evening's historic preservation if you wish to speak this evening you can utilize the chat feature in webex and send that message to me the host of the place this evening and i will add your name to our public speaker list
Yes, I can now hear everybody. I could not in the beginning. I didn't see the, the little chat bubble. I didn't see. Do you need to repeat something? I could not hear you a couple of minutes ago. That is okay, uh, Chair O'Neill. We just wanted to make sure you could hear us and you could speak. So glad that you got that worked out. Yes, I, I'm sorry. I didn't see the little chat bubble, so I wasn't uh, aware you were trying to communicate with me, but I'll keep an eye for that. Perfect. So we can hear you. Uh, looks like Paul is just joining us right, right. now. I will mute my mic from time to time because there's background noise in my house. So um, I will try to stay cognizant of the red button and make sure that I <laughs> I know I'm I'm audible. No problem. We're we're all still remembering to do that. Um, Paul, are you able to hear us? You're currently muted. Can you hear me now? We can, great. Okay, hang on, I'm gonna turn on my camera. We can see you. Oh, well, okay. Uh, okay, well, thanks for your help. Uh, the password from the email the other day didn't work, but uh, the link on your email did, but I'm not sure if I'm in as a panelist or what, but you guys are in control of, of who speaks and when, I, I take it. You are on as a panelist, so we can see you, and your your camera is on, and we can hear you. Okay. Uh, so, Chair O'Neill, it seems like we have all of the committee members and staff here now. Great. Um, uh, before we be begin and um, turn it over to Chair O'Neill to conduct the hearing, if you're a member of the public that's joined us to participate this evening um, at the Historic Preservation Committee meeting and you'd like to speak on the item on the agenda, uh, please go ahead in the chat feature, indicate that you would like to speak on the item and um, Antoinette City Clerk will add you to the list and you'll be able to speak for three minutes on the item uh, when we call your name. Uh, she will unmute you and you'll be able to provide your comments and then you'll be muted again. Uh, so just wanted everyone to be aware that that is uh, how you will be able to provide public comment uh, during this hearing and uh, Antoinette will be checking chat. So if you have any questions, she will respond to you. Yes, committee member Mercer, you are muted. Are you unable to meet, unmute yourself? Antoinette, can we unmute committee member Mercer? There you go. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Yes. Okay, yeah, I, did, I didn't touch anything else and it went blank, thank you. Um, are we then to, when we um, want to speak, just a show of hands as we did in the last meeting? That's correct. And if uh, Chair O'Neill does not catch you, uh, if you could unmute and, and speak up so that she's aware that you need to speak. 
Yes, thank you. The uh, last time, some, sometimes your name plate will cover where you're raising your hand. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed the little name on each video box, and I so I wasn't able to see it if you were raising your hand where your name shows up. Also, I have to scroll through because there's more of us than shows in one screen. So if there's a lag, that could be it, but feel free to unmute and let me know I missed you. Chair O'Neill, uh, yes. and, and, and the rest of the HPC, if, if you're using a Windows device, there's a, a, a small circle in the top right-hand corner that you can choose a different view that could give you more, more, more of the images of the board members. Uh, if you choose the side-by-side -side choice as opposed to the normal one that is the video script that has people uh, along the top or bottom, uh, I happen to have it on side-by-side, -side, so I'm able to see everybody on the right side of my screen. Thank you. I think it comes down to screen size as well. And on my little laptop, I have it side by side and I still get half. And then if I try to resize it, I still, you guys just, the, the half I see just gets bigger. So again, if I miss you, just speak up for me. Um, With that, Chair, we'll turn it over to you. Okay, great. Good evening, everyone. And welcome to the Wednesday, July 1st special meeting of the Historic Preservation Committee. Madam Clerk, can you please call the roll? Committee Member Mercer? Here. Committee Member Mueller? Here. Committee Member Purcell? Actually, you are there. You go. Here, unmuted. Okay. Sorry. Okay, that's okay. Vice Chair Houston? Here. Chair O'Neill? Here. All right, uh, first item is public communications. This is the time we set aside for public communications to talk about any item that is not on tonight's agenda. Madam Clerk, is there anyone who would like to speak to us on any item not on the agenda? No, no one's indicated an act. We do have a list generated though for your actual agenda item related to the Father Sarah statute. Thank you. So uh, with no request to speak on public communications, we'll move on to the next item on the agenda. It's a formal item number one, project 14599, Father uh, Junipero Serra Statue Historic Resource Assessment located northern terminus of North California Street, directly across Poli Street from City Hall. Do any members of the committee have ex parte communications on the item? No. Uh, uh, yes, I do. Okay, this please go ahead. I had emails from Steve Schaefer and Judy Treem and a text from Julie Tumamite. Thank you. Okay, excuse me, then I, I do as well. I had um, a text from uh, Stephen Schaefer and Karen Moss. Committee members Prezel or Mueller? No. I had a email, just emails from Stephen Schaefer. Okay, and I also received probably the same emails from Mr. Schaefer. I have no additional communications to report. Okay, can we please have the staff presentation? Yes, thank you. Um, for the HPC and the audience, uh, I do want to clarify what this agenda item is and, and what it is not uh, in order to manage expectations. 
Uh, over the last month, the city has received hundreds of public comments about, about the Father Sarah statue located um, across the street from City Hall. Um, it is clear the statue represents different things to different people. Uh, many want the statue to be removed. Many want the statue to be preserved. The City Council uh, has the authority to make a decision on the future of the statue, and they are holding a special virtual meeting on Tuesday, July 7th at 6 p.m. Um, to discuss the future of the statue. For our discussion tonight, uh, we are going to be talking about just one aspect of the statue, and that is whether or not the statue in front of City Hall uh, is a historic landmark. The original statue was put in place in 1936, and in 1974, City Council adopted a resolution making that statue a historic landmark. Uh, it was a formal council resolution. The statue ended up being replaced in 1989, the original being put into storage off-site where it remains boxed uh, to this day. Um, and thus, there is the argument that it is the actual landmark uh, because it was the item, the object that was designated in the resolution uh, in 1974. Historic Resources Group, HRG, uh, which is a well-respected historic preservation firm in the region, provided a historic assessment report uh, that confirms these facts. Also, uh, there, there uh, was no evidence of any council resolution uh, found um, in, in and around 1989 to present day that formally changed the 1974 resolution. So uh, based on those facts, the, 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 the position of staff and HRG is that the statue in front of City Hall is not historic landmark number three. But just because the replacement statue may not be the 1974 landmark, doesn't mean one can't argue that the replacement could have its own uh, historic significance. Uh, the HRG report studied this aspect and concluded uh, uh, in their professional opinion that the replacement statue itself does not justify being a, a, a historic resource. It's important to note for the public that a statue of a historic figure at a prominent location does not automatically make the statue a, a historic landmark. Uh, also, uh, just the fact that an object is important to the community would not automatically make an object uh, as historic. Also want to make it clear that whether the statue in City Hall is, is, is a historic landmark or not, does not force the City Council to decide on any particular path for the future of the statue. Uh, if uh, through a public process, the council chooses to keep the statue in its current place, they can do so whether it is or is not uh, a landmark. If the council uh, uh, wants to take the path of, of removing it or relocating it, there is a process that, that, can, be, that, that can be followed even if it is a landmark or if it is not. Uh, so while the decision or the discussion tonight will help determine what process the city council will be able to make a decision on, it does not force any particular action. Um, 
And lastly, for the members of the public that wish to speak on this item, I just want to note uh, for your understanding that if you raise issues that go beyond the scope of the HPC, um, it is not that the HPC is not listening to your comments. Uh, the HPC has a specific role uh, about historic preservation, uh, and thus we're focusing most of their attention on answering the historic question. Um, I'm sure as individuals, they all have opinions on what uh, they would like to have happen to the, stat uh, to the statute, but that is not the, su the subject of, of this conversation. So um, that will be what the council is going to talk about uh, on Tuesday. So with that, next slide, the recommendation is that the HBC by minute motion acknowledge that the Father Sarah statue that is in front of City Hall is not a historic landmark. Uh, staff's available for any questions. Thank you. Uh, committee members, do you have questions of staff? Looking for hands. Committee member Muller, I see your hand. Thank you. Well, um, is there any um, anything in the record about uh, what criteria were used in 1989 to remove the original uh, statue? Was it reviewed by the uh, historic uh, preservation group? Uh, and uh, was there any then criteria used to evaluate at that time the replacement statue as uh, an historical landmark? Uh, and if there are um, records of these things, uh, you know, uh, are they available? So uh, there, there, there are none that we could find. We, we searched for uh, all the council resolutions in, in, that, in that era. Uh, there's no formal resolution we could find that said that the council uh, delisted the original statue when they moved it off site or assigned any uh, historic significance to the replacement statue when it, it was it was put in place. If, if, if those documents existed, it would have been in, included in, in the packet. Thank you. Uh, I have a follow up to that. Um, and, and that is uh, to, uh, well, let's see. The, uh, well, I've lost my train of thought. I've been derailed. Maybe someone else has a question. Do I see any other hands for questions of staff? Uh, I actually have a couple. Uh, maybe they'll jog your memory. Committee member Muller. Um, <laughs> let me just check. Um, so I know, you know, I did review all of the public comments submitted, the written public comments submitted through 4 p.m. today. I'm wondering if staff has any um, background or explanation on the Landmark lists and prior survey that referenced the bronze statue. Um, they, they're sort of confusing. They talk about landmark number three, designated in 1974, but then there's some talk of the artist from the 1936 statue, but then some talk of the bronze statue. Uh, does staff have any, can you illuminate that at all? Um, that kind of uh, confusion or maybe potential error? Yes, thank you, Chair. Um... We see the same um, uh, potential confusion in the landmark language in the listing. Um, 
the, the, the listing on the landmark does clearly note that there was an original statute, it, it, it was removed and a replacement was brought in. Uh, I would say, depending on where you stand on this issue, if you believe the landmark, uh, the statute is a landmark, you would say the language signifies that. If you believe the original statute is a landmark, you could argue that the language also signifies that by noting it was replaced. So uh, it certainly could have been clearer, uh, but it uh, it is, you know, the, the language has been amended over time. Uh, we also can't find that there were any formal hearings that council adopted uh, that new language as, as the replacement came in and such. Okay, thank you. Uh, any other questions, committee member Mueller? Did I um, jog your memory at all? Well, thank you. you gave me enough time to regroup. I was just wondering if we could get an overview of the requirements that were in place in 1989 and the requirements that we're operating under today for historic landmark status. And, uh, you know, to what extent uh, we are obliged to follow the current guidelines or are we allowed to roll back to the, uh, the guidelines that were in place in 1989? I think I think the main point is that since no document could be found where the council formally called the 89 replacement a landmark, uh, then we are looking at it uh, today in, with fresh eyes and our, our current approach and, and process. Um, so we do not have what the rules were in, in, in 1989. Uh, we may be able to research that and find that, but I don't believe it's necessarily gonna be relevant because there was no formal action taken at that time. Uh, if, if a determination is made today that the 1989 statute has uh, potential uh, merit, then that is something that would be based on, on today's actions, uh, but would note that HRG and their professional recommendation uh, uh, does not believe there is is a uh, justification for the replacement statute to be a, a landmark on its own. Thank you. Uh, the uh, National Park Service Bulletin 15, uh, which, which guides uh, monuments uh, and their uh, recognition as historical landmarks, wasn't published until 1990, I think. That was the earliest date I could find. And uh, to that extent, we are still obliged to follow that criteria uh, and not uh, assume that it wasn't applicable in 1989 and, and shouldn't be part of our uh, consideration today. Uh, I did hear a question, so I just took that as your statement. Okay. Okay, I'm not seeing any additional hands raised for questions of staff. Uh, so if, I, if I'm missing you, please speak up now. Otherwise, I think we will be moving into public comment. Uh, so I believe there's uh, many speakers on the item. I just want to remind you that the time is limited to three minutes per speaker, and we will be enforcing that uh, pretty strictly tonight to give everyone equal time. With that, I'll turn it over to the clerk. Currently, I have a list of 10 individuals to speak. Uh, prior to uh, muting our first individual, I would like to remind the public that all of the emails that were received prior have been posted online. 
and that they were provided to the HPC to review. So our first speaker will be Jim McDermott. Jim, I've unmuted you. Thank you and good evening, everybody. Jim McDermott from Ventura. And, and Jim, would you mind stating if you are a resident uh, for yes. the city of Ventura? I am a resident yep. of the city. Okay, you may start speaking. And, and I'm fortunate as a resident of the city that we have such a rich history. Our history does not go back to a track developer, but far, far more than that. And I think the discussion you're having is far too artificial. You're taking action, you're de-designating, and your action triggers CEQA. There is no question about that. Furthermore, a week ago, if I asked any of you, is that thing a landmark? You all would have said, of course, it's landmark number three. We're only having this artificial discussion to try to make things easier uh, for the council. And it's a shame. But the landmark status itself is not the be all end all. The issue for you and for CEQA application is simply whether it's an important cultural resource. And the Sarah statute that was put up in the 80s was a, it's a broad community effort and it was conflict then. I remember watching the process when I was a young kid going to the livery and seeing it, it made. It was a real community effort and nobody thought they were doing anything but uh, making the landmark able to last longer. And that whole process itself, that itself is an important community action and resulted in an important community resource. Until the unnamed authors of the historic resource group company submitted it, there was no question about this. There's extensive communication, oral and written, by you, the HPC, that stated the post-89 Sarah statute was a historic landmark. Time and again, you insisted that private developers incorporate the landmark into their plans. The city itself made extensive reference to the landmark just outside its doors. And HRG, most compelling, HRG in their thorough report on this very issue in 2007 said it is a landmark, not the thing in some warehouse, but the thing sitting in front of City Hall. And the actions of City Hall also indicate that it's a landmark. The HPC's October 9th, 2018 minutes note that the original concrete statute was broken up and discarded years ago. You didn't say the landmark, you said the uh, concrete object. Presumably HPC is not in the custom of handing out landmarks to private individuals to discard. Of course not, you knew that was not the landmark. This is a historic decision, this one tonight, and it shouldn't be rushed. Some of you had very good questions, we'd like to ferret out more. And so let the process proceed at a proper pace. I think that's your three minutes. Thank you. Thank you. Next on our list is Francisco. And it went. Francisco, Hello? I've unmuted you. 
Can you guys hear me? Yes. And as when you get ready to speak, if you can just indicate if you're a resident of the city of Ventura. Yes, I am a resident of Ventura. Um, thank you all for letting me speak. Uh, I just want to uh, uh, say that I disagree with the recommendation that the land, the statue should not be a landmark. Uh, the recommendation seems to me, reading the report, uh, is based on a claim that this statue is somehow not associated with any significant events, person, or period in our history. It's noted what Mr. Gilly said, that just because a prominent person is in a prominent space does not automatically make it a landmark, but Sarah is the most prominent person of this very city, the very founder. Um, so somehow, and that, that's why the original statue, it seems to me, was designated a landmark. But somehow an exact replica that sits, sits in the exact place is not, that, that, that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, there seems to be a, a reasoning behind the report that says that maybe it's because the statue is less than 40 years old and doesn't meet the uh, municipal codes uh, threshold. However, it seems to me, again, humbly, I'm not, I don't do this on a day-to-day -day basis, that that 40-year-old threshold is a general guideline, not necessarily a disqualifier. I mean, the original statue was 38 years old when it became a landmark. So um, it also seems to me that the whole purpose of installing an exact replica was to convey the same significance that the original statue conveyed. Therefore, this like quote unquote young statue inherits and represents the history, tradition, and all the symbols of the original. Um, we all know this to be true. And, and like the previous speaker said, this seems to be just a paving of the path for the city council to remove this statue. And if indeed they do through this technicality, then it seems to me that the only fair thing to do is to put back the original landmark number three. Just because it was moved out for preservation doesn't mean that now we are able to remove all landmarks from that place. Um, the, the st a statue of Father Sarah has been, has been standing in front of City Hall for 84 years. Uh, that is indeed the most iconic landmark, not only of the city, but of the entire county. It's used in most uh, uh, images and publications from, from the city. It's a point of pride and it's a beautiful thing to see. Um, Speaking of beauty, the report also talks about how the uh, city hall that was also designated a landmark at the same time does not need the statue in front of it for its beauty. That's true. Uh, I think it's relevant, but uh, it's also misleading because even this committee's description of city hall says that, quote, between the first and second floor windows of city hall are 24 faces. They depict mendicant priests, which served as a historical reminder that the city of San Buenaventura was one of the first nine original towns founded by Junipero Serra and the Franciscan Friars. Therefore, having the statue in front of City Hall elevates the beauty of both the City Hall and the landmarks. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is Anthony Mbani. Anthony, I've unmuted you. Anthony, I have unmuted you. Oh, can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Okay, great. Sorry about that. Um, and just a reminder to state whether or not you are a resident. So I'm not a resident of the city of Ventura. I'm really a resident of the county of Ventura. Um, and I submitted a um, letter uh, shortly before the deadline. So um, you'll have more of the details if you want, those of you who have had a chance to read it. Um, so I, I'm coming at this from uh, someone who actually does 
look at things like this every day. Um, I'm currently the chair of the Historic Landmarks Commission for the City of Santa Barbara and uh, have been on that commission for many years now. Um, I'm also a architect who does a lot of work on historic structures. So we also hire historians um, on behalf of our clients to write um, reports. So I'm very used to seeing it from both sides, um, how historic structures or reports are, what their purpose is and how they're evaluated. Um, I listed a few of the, some of the key things that jumped out when reading the report that were um, jumped out to me as, as, as obvious holes in a report. Um, we regularly, when we review these, we regularly, um, if we see these kind of holes, we require the historian to either uh, change them or if they won't change them in the end, then we can't accept it. And um, obviously there's gonna be a, a CEQA triggered um, full review. So um, there's, there's a lot of um, strong reasons for them to listen to um, uh, the opinion of uh, the historic commissions. Um, so, as, as, all, as you all know, but um, some of the key things I found that were very weak um, parts of this argument were that um, uh, the 40 year, as, as mentioned, the 40 years is just a guideline. Um, we're currently right now, as an example, we're looking at, um, a, we have a 50 year um, guideline for us in Santa Barbara. Um, we, um, we're looking at something in the 30 years and, um, and it's, if it qualifies for other reasons and it qualifies and that's just a, the, the time frame is just a, um, a standard way of showing that something test, um, passed the test of time. Um, the, uh, as well as some of the things that have been pointed out, uh, one of the few things that the hat wasn't really mem mentioned was the commemorative aspect. And they didn't quote the full document or reference that I found was a pretty obvious connection for um, even commemorative um, uh, items to be, and I think it's more than just a commemorative item, but I do think it's the landmark um, or at least part of the landmark. Um, but uh, it also, the, even the commemorative aspect um, can qualify, and this one obviously does, if anything qualifies in the County of Ventura, um, the statue would qualify as a, as a, a commemorative that has significance um, uh, based, on, um, the, based on a number of things, actually, the design, um, which it was copying, and the, the age, it has some, uh, the tradition, the symbolic values, obviously, it's used in the, as part of the city seal, so it's uh, in front and center in terms of symbolic value. Um, uh, the site as well, it doesn't, uh, I, I found those arguments weak on it. Um, and in the, sort of in closing, uh, you can see some of my other arguments, but in closing, one of the things that we've been working with uh, with Black Lives Matters recently is sort of positive ways of building up uh, their other communities. Um, and we're looking at historic resources reports that will- um, I'm sorry, this is actually two culture. minutes. Okay, thanks. Thank Bye. you. Our next speaker is Judy Tran. Judy on the list. Judy, I've unmuted you. Okay, well, thank you. And it's good to be here. Um, I just wrote a letter too, so you may not have had time to read it, but I won't go over the whole the whole thing, but I'll highlight the points that I wanted to make. Um, when Father Sarah's statue was uh, designated in 1974, just a couple of years or a year afterward is when I came on the Historic Preservation Commission. And I was on that commission for a number of years. I can't even remember how many I was chair for a couple of years of the commission. And um, in 1982 or 83, um, we um, did a survey, our firm, I'm a historical consultant, and we did a, a survey of the city. And at that time, 
uh, I wanted more information on the father of Sarah Statue, so I, I went up to Shirley Weeks, who was the daughter of um, the uh, sculptor, John Paulo Congas, and she was the clerk of the board of supervisors at the time, and I went up to her office, and she gave me a lot of interesting information about her father and, it, and what was going on at the time, and it just made me think, you know, how much the community was involved with all of this, and not knowing the history when it when it actually started, I went and researched the newspapers and found out how many people were involved in the development of getting this statue going in, 19, in beginning in 1934, and it didn't really get established until 1936. Chamber of Commerce, a lot of the uh, prominent citizens and club members, and it was interesting to find that it was. Um, it only cost $300 for, for $150 for this city, 100 from the county, and $50 from one of the uh, council people. So I thought that was quite interesting. And the rest was of the set was paid for uh, by the WPA, um, which was considerably more, but that was for the materials at the time. But what I wanted to mention is that I was still involved with the city, even I wasn't on the commission in 1989 when the statue was done, but I was very cognizant of it. I knew the woodworkers that were uh, doing the work, all the people, Russ Burns that was involved. And this was to save and preserve the statue. And this was like a reconstruction of the statue. And this was to continue its landmark authenticity because then it would survive. So it was never thought that it was not going to be a landmark and that, and that the broken statue, that the one that was deteriorated and put away was the landmark and not this one. So um, it's very hard for me to see how uh, anyone could think that it wasn't a, wasn't a landmark. It does, uh, in the integrity of it, uh, all the items of integrity that relate to the statue were there. The design is the same, the exact same as the original. The location is the same. The materials are different, but in all, it it's, uh, definitely has the integrity uh, that is required of a landmark today. So thank you for letting me speak. I appreciate Thank you very much. The next speaker will be Gabrielle Enriquez. Gabrielle? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, I can. And will you state for the record your resident? Yes, I. my name is Gabriel Enriquez and I'm a resident of Ventura and I did uh, submit uh, a written statement, but I just wanted to speak as well. So uh, according to the city website, uh, the purpose of the Historical Preservation Committee is to make recommendations concerning the designing of historic districts, landmarks, sites, natural configuration, buildings, structures, and points of interest uh, significant to the heritage and development of the city. Uh, you know, how does a statue not not fit uh, all of those? Um, given that uh, that's the purpose of the committee, you know, what what is more important than the than the statue of the founder of a mission, which our city was named after? Although it's not the original statue, the statue has been there for over eighty years, and it it is it is part of the beautiful architecture of of our beautiful city and. Um, and it ties in with the charming downtown. Right? Uh, we need to keep the statue uh, where it is on, on public ground. Uh, Father Sarah's role in, in history uh, is important. His role in our city, our state, our nation is, is important. Uh, if we fail uh, to do this, we're appeasing a small group of outsiders. Uh, then what will be next, right? By the same logic, 
we should change the name uh, of our city. It's, it's offensive. It's named after the, the, the mission of which it was founded. Uh, we should change our street names. Um, it doesn't stop uh, with the removal and imprisonment of the statue uh, in the mission. Uh, then this is, it doesn't end there. It begins with the removal of the statue. Uh, instead, we should increase our monuments to the past. We should commemorate those who built our city, not tear them down. We should acknowledge the local native people who were who were and are still here to this day. We should acknowledge the Mexican period, the uh, early Chinese population who lived here, along with the early city leaders, the agricultural industry. We should add more history and preserve more history. Uh, we need to build up our knowledge of history and not tear it down. I'm encouraging the committee here, please do not hide behind this paid for historic assessment report to avoid your responsibility to preserve our, our city's history. Please keep the statue a designated historical landmark as those who came before you were wise enough to understand. If this committee chooses to redesignate the Father Sarah statue, then it is, it is abandoning its mission. It will, become, it will have become nothing more than an Orwellian ministry from 1984 and is not worthy of the name the Historical Preservation Committee. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Our next speaker will be Gabe Schubert. Gabe, I've unmuted you. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay. Uh, and and make, sure, Gabe, make sure that you can state whether or not you're a resident of the city of Ventura. I'm not a resident at the time of uh, Ventura, but I am a Ventura County. Um, and thank you for letting me speak. I don't, I won't take the whole three minutes. I don't think I can say it any better than uh, those who have already spoken, uh, but I believe the statue in front of City Hall should be considered a landmark. It should remain there. I think the reason that um, there is some confusion or, or, or lack of documentation, uh, as you were talking about 1989, is because it just wasn't necessary. It was, it's an exact replica of the original. I think you're actually creating confusion um, uh, by, by putting us through this whole ordeal. Um, it's an exact replica and it should remain there. Um, and if not, we should, we should just put the original uh, statue back. Uh, St. Sarah was the founder of the mission of, around which our, this uh, beautiful city was built. And um, I believe that uh, this statue, uh, this bronze statue in 1989 is simply a continuation of the original. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Our next speaker is Dana Charles. Dana, I've unmuted you. And if you could. Hi. Okay. And then <laughs> before you speak, if you could just let us know if you're a resident. Uh, yes, I'm a resident of Ventura. In fact, I live probably two blocks away from the Father Sarah statue. Um, I first want to thank you, committee members, for allowing me to speak today. Um, my name is Dana Barrios. I'm Ventureño Chumash, and I'm also a sociocultural anthropologist. Um, I hold a master's degree, and most of my research has to do with um, abuses, historical trauma, intergenerational trauma of Native tribes, not just in Ventura, but throughout California. And, you know, as, as seekers of history and learning history like yourself, you understand how history impacts our present. Um, you know, historical trauma is very, very real in our communities. Um, lots of research has been done uh, specifically on Holocaust survivors in regards to how trauma from our ancestors is literally embedded, embedded in our genetics. And we can see the impacts of that today. Uh, Native 
youth have some of the have the highest suicide rates in the whole in, out of any ethnic group in the United States. Domestic violence rates are extremely high within native populations. And all of this has to do with history, right? And so for me, what happens when history is traumatizing? What happens when a statue in in, in itself is a form of symbolic violence against an entire people? What happens then? What happens when every single day I drive to say hello to my mother and I have to drive by that statue and am reminded of the genocide that happened to my people due to the missionization of California Indians? And it's not just Chumash people, right? It's indigenous people and tribes all up and down California. This, this I, I, it bothers me to call it a landmark. It bothers me to call it a historic landmark because it is historical, but it's historical because of its relation to genocide its relation to slavery and its relation to loss. You know, my people are still trying to get their language back. My people are still trying to learn their culture. We're still trying to learn our dances. And every time we see that statue, it's a reminder of what we've lost. It's a reminder of the death and disease that surrounds it. And I, I don't want to take away the mission. I don't want to take away the name. None of us too much people feel like that. We just don't want to have something be called a historical landmark that represents the almost complete annihilation of our people. And I ask you, we're not a small group of outsiders, and I know people talk about it's been here for 84 years, but for 84 years that has affected just not my generation, but the generation that comes before me. And so I ask you to really think about what happens when a statue represents genocide? What happens? when it causes harm to the people. We're not losing history. We all know that history is learned in, in books and history is learned in museums and in other places. But we ask that you not have a symbol of genocide look over the entire city of Ventura. Thank you for your time, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Our next speaker is Gabriel Zamora. Gabriel, I've unmuted you. Yes, hello. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. And if you Thank could you. state if you were a resident of this. I live, I live in the city of Santa Paula in the county of Ventura, and I'm a board member for the Santa Paula Conservancy. And I would like to speak tonight to respectfully urge the committee to deny this project in session tonight. First, the project description is inconsistent with staff's recommended action for the agenda item. The project is described as a discussion of the landmark status when the applicant's true intent which is the outcome of that discussion is clearly established by the actions recommended to the committee tonight. But the committee can't in discussion, it's just an insufficient process, find that the statue's historic landmark status does not exist because the bronze statue is clearly listed and described as a historic landmark by the city's own public records, by which I mean the city of Ventura's list, city of San Buenaventura historic landmarks and districts dated May 3rd, 2016 and currently published as planning guidelines by the city. Nor can the community find that removing the bronze statue's historic landmark status, which the agenda describes as acknowledgement, is exempt from CEQA because it, it is by definition not exempt. The bronze Father Sarah statue is, in fact, City of Ventura historic landmark number three. The concrete statue that stood in the same place before it was Ventura City historic landmark number three before it was removed and placed in storage. The bronze statue is historic landmark number three today. It has been repeatedly listed by the city as such in 2014 and in 2016. The bronze statue historic landmark status has not been changed, has never been rescinded or revoked. 
Rather, it's still active today. The process for removing that status is actually defined by city statute, and this meeting does not fulfill the requirements of that statute, nor does it fulfill the CEQA requirements for the preservation of listed historic landmarks like the statute. Another problem is that the project's historic assessment report invokes a set of historic uh, set of national standards that do not invalidate the bronze statue's city historic landmark status, nor do those, uh, those standards overrule or replace the city's own standards for establishing city historic landmarks. It is quite acceptable, indeed common, for a structure or an object to be a city historic landmark and not a national historic landmark, and vice versa. The historic assessment report should be rejected not only because it fails to recognize that the bronze statue is already a city historic landmark, but also because it then proceeds to misapply criteria and findings that have no bearing on its city historic landmark status. And ultimately, it fails to consider or include any of the actual city requirements for changing that status. For any of the other 107 city historic landmarks on the city's list, the intake planner would have observed the list, flagged the resource's historic landmark status on the basis of its listing, and required that the applicant follow the city's rules and procedures for protecting city historic landmarks. The bronze Sarah statue should be processed in precisely the same manner. Every project applicant needs to follow the city's requirements for the preservation of city historic landmarks, even when that applicant is the city itself. Thank you. Our next speaker, we actually have um, Sherry Schaefer, and she is going to be ceding her time to Stephen Schaefer. So I'm going to unmute Sherry so she can confirm that she is ceding her three minutes to Stephen. Yes, yes. yes, I am ceding my time to Stephen Schaefer. Okay. Week. And then before Stephen starts to speak, I want the members of the public to realize our timer goes to three minutes. He is going to get six. So therefore we're gonna go through the timer twice. Stephen? Okay, yeah. and we okay. are Ventura residents, but okay. I'm speaking. Thank you. This is a personal comment and not a comment for any organization that I am a part of. <clears throat> so I'll start with an analogy um, by reading um, the description of uh, Landmark number 20. The Ventura Wharf, designated March 29, 1976, completed in 1872, by the way. The Ventura Wharf was partially destroyed in 1926 and was rebuilt as it appears today. Then it was rebuilt again, and then it was rebuilt again. Located off Harbor Boulevard between California Street and First Street, the pier was built to encourage growth in Ventura and provide an outlet for farmers and their crops. The pier was considered a public utility and absolutely indispensable at the time. But there is not one piece of wood that is original in that wharf, and the use has changed from commerce to recreation, and it has been heavily altered. There were no railings on it, and it was not something that you could easily walk on without tripping. Um, yet that is one of our, our most valued and prominent landmarks. Um, is it historic? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, a recent report on the pier found that uh, it, it tends to lean towards a recreation, a commemorative landmark. And um, while our ordinance is pretty old, I'm gonna get a little bit specific here with our ordinance. Um, I'm not gonna read it because I have uh, emailed everybody uh, 
basically the, the important bits, but basically um, a landmark can be any object that is unique because of, his, because of its aesthetic feeling and is associated with work that possesses high artistic value. The piece of that that is missing is the word historic, and that is because our ordinance does not require the item, object, building, structure to be historic. This is a actually a deliberate attempt by the people who wrote the ordinance to make sure that there was a safety valve to capture things that were important to the community that were not necessarily old. So when I hop over to the HRG report, the HRG report on the statue basically states that the statue as it sits now, the bronze statue, does probably not meet national register guidelines and it probably doesn't meet California register guidelines. So the city might be out of the CEQA doghouse as far as that's concerned. However, it is, I think, incorrect in its evaluation of eligibility for city landmark criteria. Go again. All right. Get it. There we go. All right. It, sta it, it basically states the HRG report that the bronze replica was created in 1989. Therefore, it does not meet the city of Ventura's threshold that properties eligible for local designation should be a minimum of 40 years old. That statement is actually false because there is no 40-year threshold or any threshold of any kind for age in our ordinance. There is a 40-year general plan threshold for reviews of future development projects in the general plan, but not in our ordinance. Um, so if you're looking at something like Two Trees or the Wharf or maybe the Ventura sign, which was put up in 2009 uh, and should definitely be a Ventura landmark, the ordinance that the city has in place at this time, and, and Paul, was, Paul was right to, to think in terms of codes moving forward, and was the bronze in 1986 something uh, totally acceptable under the current ordinance in 1986, uh, that's gonna take a lot of research. But even today, there is this uh, safety valve in order to capture a landmark. So if the Sarah statue in bronze remains a landmark, it can in fact be moved. But most importantly, if the landmark status is maintained, the city will have the ability to protect and preserve the bronze through HPC review, and the ordinance allows the HPC to determine the text on the plaque on the statue. Otherwise, it can be altered, demolished, sold, moved again without any city input if it is moved. It also remains on the city's register of, of landmarks as city landmark number three, which I think is valuable. City landmark number three's description has already been changed once from it was made out of cement, which is technically incorrect, it was made out of concrete, to it was replaced with a bronze statue, uh, just like the two trees were replaced by two new trees, um, but they are still important to certain members of the community. Um, and so I, th I think you have the, you have the basis to, to keep it a landmark if, if that is what the, the board is looking for. Um, I don't think in this particular case, a full sequel review is necessary. 
Um, but that's just my opinion. And um, I will stop my comments there. Thank you very much. Thank you. Our next speaker will be Marilyn Keller. Marilyn, I'm unmuting you. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. And if All you right. can state uh, if you're a resident of Ventura. I definitely am. I'm a senior and I was born in Ventura and Ventura has been my lifelong residential address. Um, as, as a different speaker spoke before me, the word preservation stood out and to preserve an identity of something. And I was thinking, what if something happened to the Statue of Liberty or the Statue of Abraham Lincoln in Washington, D.C.? Um, could, could a reproduction fulfill the status and keep it? Um, it? And if the city hall was damaged and part of it was replaced, would it still have historical status? And it seems like we're caving to pressure of a dissident period right now. And I sent you, uh, Stephen Shaver sent you, um, forwarded an email to you about working out with the Chumash Indians um, for them to have more representation of their history in the atrium and maybe perhaps move the um, wooden uh, statue of Father Sarah to the, to the Ventura County Museum and have more space for the um, exploration and cherishing of the Chumash ancestry. Um, I will probably conclude by saying, well, it is such a historic landmark. It's my favorite view of Ventura to go up and, and be the likely place where I would take someone from out of town who's never been to Ventura before to the steps of City Hall to look down on the Father Sarah statue down to the ocean. To me, it's the most beautiful, significant view. And I, I think of it as, um, I did also say equivalent to, um, in the, in the city of Florence, the statue of an artist of David, uh, by Michelangelo, his, that sculpture. And if something happened to it and it, it was replaced, I would hope it would still be viable. And, um, I just, we cannot deny that father Sarah is, was a viable, identifiable, distinguished landmark symbol of the founder of the city of San Buenaventura. And I hope this statue stays and I hope you also consider my emails that I've sent to you. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker will be Carolina Herrera. Carolina, I've unmuted you. Carolina. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. And if you could state if you are a resident. And I am a resident of the city of Ventura. The act of allowing the statue of this man to remain standing, even after the atrocities that he has committed against the Native Americans have been well documented, is an act that says that the citizens of this city stand behind and support these atrocities. I stand behind rape, slavery, forced conversion to Catholicism, starvation, intentional contamination with deadly viruses and diseases, or the torture of innocent people. We cannot continue to disregard the abhorrent way in which the majority of the Native American people were wiped out. Thank you for your time. 
Thank you. Our next speaker is Patricia. Patricia, I've unmuted you. Hi, good evening. Um, my name is Patricia Beebe. I am a resident of Ventura. Uh, my family and my husband's family have lived in Ventura for generations. I am Catholic. My grandmother, Aurelia Oliveras, was Zia, was Zia Pueblo from northern New Mexico. So my family's history shares a common, common Spanish colonialization and Catholic missionary link with the Barbarino and Venturino uh, Chumash people. We should understand that a historical landmark is defined by the Merriam-Webster Dictionary as a famous or important established in the past conspicuous object or structure with aesthetic interest, especially one that is officially designated and set aside for preservation. Certainly there can be no doubt that the Sarah statue is the very definition of a historical landmark here in Ventura, the site of the last California mission under Father Sarah's leadership. The bronze Sarah statue, which stands in front of our beautiful city hall, not only has a rich 1936 Great Depression history behind its origin, but is also the result of a historic Ventura Citizens campaign, which raised $100,000 to have the bronze cast, a historical citizen effort indeed. As with our individual perceptions, historical accounts often vary according to the perspective of the party recounting the story. However, in the case of Junipero Serra, Historical archives and documents demonstrate Sarah's profound concern for the welfare of native people within the San Buenaventura mission community during the latter 1700s. Sarah witnessed the brutal treatment of native people by, so by Spanish soldiers during his initial stay in Ventura and the aftermath of these atrocities prior uh, to his arrival by Captain Pedro Fajes. In 1773, Sarah carried his 32-point representation document to, to Mexico City to plead his case to the Spanish Viceroy Bucarelli in order to have Fajes removed and ensure the protection of the native people. Archives support facts regarding the numbers of native people who died from diseases carried by Spanish soldiers who first carried this who first entered the Santa Barbara Channel coastline and throughout Alta California. As in current time, absence of immunity to disease rampaged through the population. There is no doubt that the ancestors of the Chumash and all ancestors of Native American people suffered at the hands of both Spanish and American colonizers, died from disease, from lack of immunity, and yes, were even displaced from the lands they called home. Nearly 350 years later, we must have courage to face our mutual stories, our mutual history, not cower to those who seek to divide us. Siempre adelante, forward, let's keep moving forward to reconciliation and peace. The Sarah, the Sarah bronze statue should remain where he has stood for decades, overlooking our beautiful city to the ocean, reminding us of God's grace and our common humanity. Be administrators of good faith, not chaotic bureaucracy. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Our next is Vincent Lucian. Vincent, I've unmuted you. Hi, can uh, can everybody hear me? Yes, and if you could state if you're a resident of Ventura. Yes, yes. Uh, no, I'm not a resident of Ventura, but I am a, a resident of um, Ventura County. So uh, brand new to Ventura County. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I, uh, I wanted to first say thanks for giving me the chance to speak. I'm not nearly as prepared as previous speakers, and I most likely will not take all three minutes. But uh, I did want to comment on some of the things I've heard. Um, first, I just wanted to say that 
is that these types of conversations are why committees like yours are so needed. Um, these, these, these conversations are tough and they're hard. Um, and having a board and having people like you um, helping guide some of these conversations and facilitating it is, is super awesome. Um, and it's just also a little bit about me is I, can't, I, can't, I moved here to Ventura County about a year ago and uh, from the state of New Mexico and, and New Mexico is uh, super rich in its history. And, um, and with that, there's a lot of passion on like every side. Um, and, and I love the conversations that's happening. Um, the one thing I did want to say about the statue specifically is that I've heard a lot about it, whether or not it's, is it historic, is it not historic? Is it historically valuable? Like, and all of those discussions are, are really important. But the thing that I think uh, I wanted to for sure say is that the most prominent part of Ventura is not one person, for me at least. It's the people of Ventura. The people of Ventura are the most prominent part, is the most prominent part of Ventura. Uh, and, and, you know, our past is defined by our present and, and the present is the foundation for that future. And we have that responsibility as a city to think about what messages these landmarks are sending. You know, what message do we want to send in the future? And I've heard a lot about, again, how Ventura is a statue. It's not one statue, it's its people. And as our city evolves, like what place, where, where what, what, what place do we want our history to, um, how do we want history to look back at Victoria, on Ventura? Is it a place that's inclusive? Has it been conscious of the pain of the past? How are we choosing to value a piece of, a material piece of property over the pain of people? Like, is that Ventura? Is that what we're representing? Is it a statue or is it more so this message that we're sending? And so it's not to say that we forget the past, but it is to say that um, we need to be conscious about the message we're sending. And, and this city has welcomed me. And I hope that going forward that, you know, this isn't about one side, two sides. It's not about caving. It's not about losing, but it's about keeping history relevant, which is what this committee is about. And relevant history is about the people it serves. That's, that's how you keep history relevant. And for me, I hope that you, you know, these conversations continue to happen and that we consciously really do think about the messages that we're sending. Um, and I'm excited to be here in Ventura County and thank you again for, uh, for letting me speak. Thank you very much. Our next speaker is Jarvis Leatherby. Jarvis. I am here. Okay. And if you could state for the record, if you were a resident. I am a resident of Ventura, yes. Hey, first off, Peter, is it, what's the last name, Gilly? Yes, that's Peter's last name. Got it, okay, I just wanted to get that correct because he seems to be the only one who has spoken uh, today uh, with the exception of Mr. Mueller, who I think just wants everybody to do his work for him. Um, but I don't have a, a prepared speech today. And I'm sorry, that wasn't a jab, but uh, you know, come to these things you know, with that stuff if that's, if that's your job here. Um, guys. <laughs> this is crazy, okay? This statue needs to come down. I've heard a lot of a lot of people from the public speaking here and basically saying that there's evidence that this is definitely still a historic landmark, this bronze statue that exists now. And uh, Mr. Gilly had a lot of, uh, of great information there. However, you know, I mean, I don't know what's happening politically behind the lines here, but you know, he's claiming that it is not a landmark and that is some kind of loophole where we can take this thing down. Uh, I, you know, I hate to see it come to that where we have to, we have to do things like that to take it down for other reasons that we know it should come down. We're not erasing history. We're just making, we're making history right now and we're making ourselves better. 
do we need to go back to 1936? I mean, just because something happened in 1936, that's like, in our day and age, I mean, that's like basically the dark ages. We're not going back to 1936 for anything. The Holocaust happened post-1936, okay? We're not, we're not going back there. We're not moving backwards, okay? That statue's got to come down, and it will come down. Uh, you know, I, I understand that this, what's happening here and that your job is not to make that decision and it is to make the decision uh, to determine if it is, in fact, a historical landmark. But, you know, I mean, let's, <laughs> we need to make new historical landmarks that celebrate peace and unity. And the fact is, no matter what good this man did, if the atrocities that he's accused of are true, and apparently they're proven, and if all of you agree that he did do these things, that, you know, the good things he did does not wash that away. And if we honor this man and we make him the face of, of, of who we are and what we represent, then we are no better than him. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. And the last speaker is Dominic Preston. Dominic? Greetings all, can you hear me? Yes, and will you state if you are at Ventura? Yes, yes, I've lived in Ventura County since 1988. Uh, I currently reside in Fillmore, but I've lived in Ventura for uh, several years recently. And I just wanna thank the last speaker for demonstrating, showing that he hates history and wants to erase it. That's not what we wanna do here and that's not why we gathered here today uh, for, for talking about history. And also the accusations against Father Sarah, if they're true, they're not true and no historians, no serious historian would consider them true. So uh, here are my other remarks. In their assessment of the landmark status of the replacement Sarah statue, the Historic Resources Group from Pasadena writes, quote, removal of the statue from its original location was an appropriate treatment given its deteriorating condition and does not constitute a significant impact that materially impairs its ability to convey significance as a local landmark. The 1989 statue was created for utilitarian purposes approximately 30 years in the past in order to protect the original from further deterioration, unquote. I believe this is in, an inaccurate representation. Why, may I ask, has the original statue been lying in a junkyard for 30 years if the replica was made to protect the original from further deterioration? This makes no sense. The real reason the replica was made was to continue the landmark site. A 1989 article from the Weekend Desert Post states that the original Sarah statue is, quote, one of the main landmarks in the city of Ventura and that now a bronze replica of the statue is being cast. It will take the place of the original statue, which is deteriorated because it was constructed in concrete. Replacing the, the, the deteriorating statue with a permanent bronze one has become a community project of enormous popularity, end quote. Master craftsmen were employed, a laborious project ensued to faithfully reproduce the original statue. Precise measurements of all aspects of the concrete were taken using 1,782 points of reference. In her book, The Replication of the Father Sarah Statue, a Community Volunteer Project, Catherine Mervin writes, quote, more than 4,000 charts, drawings, grids, and photographs were made from the measurements. The carving took 14 months from April 1987 to June 1988 and all 10,000 hours were dedicating to creating the replica. In conclusion, I see the facts as these. The Sarah sculpture has long been one of Ventura's most recognizable landmarks. Sarah founded the city of Ventura and that's why he has a place of prominence. The replacement statue is a direct continuation of the first 
and great care and painstaking labor were undertaken by skilled craftsmen to create the replica. If the true landmark was the crumbled and decayed concrete of 1936, it would not be sitting in a junkyard. Junipero Serra is the most historically significant individual in Ventura history. If there's one statue the city should have, it's Father Junipero Serra. Regarding the city council landmark designation of the original Serra statue, the historical resources group writes, the resolution did not include a statement of significance or other details about the designation. Perhaps that's because the reason was obvious. Thank you. Thank you. Madam Clerk, were there any additional requests to speak? Yes, one came in when Dominic was speaking, and that is Kieran Moss. Uh, so I think we're okay after I unmute uh, Kieran to say that this would be the last speaker. Kieran? Kieran? Hi. If you could state if you're yes, a resident, and then you may speak. Yes. Okay, the timers, the timer Hang on. Mm -hmm. Let me try this. Um, wait. We can hear you on our end. Yeah, let me kill the TV. Sorry. Hi. I really have little to add that hasn't already been covered. Um, there are some and covered very well. I'm, I'm very happy there's been so much involvement by the Venturans who are knowledgeable and, and interested in the subject. As far as landmarks that can be damaged by fire and flood and replaced, I think there's adequate evidence nationwide that that has happened with things like uh, natural disasters and people come back and, and replace them. And it still has the same significance it had in the first instance. The most recent one that I'm aware of around here is the Piru Mansion, the Cook Mansion, sometimes called the Newhall Mansion, because the last, one of the last owners was Scott Newhall, who was the great grandson of uh, Henry Mayo Newhall, uh, who developed, uh, created what's now Santa Clarita. And that mansion is some seven, 10,000 square feet, built extremely expensively in the 1880s. And Mr. Newhall had it photographed uh, by a professional photographer that Steve Schaefer would uh, be impressed with. And, uh, and then the place burned down to the ground in 1981. It was fully replaced uh, over the next couple of years, but it still keeps its county landmark status. The same thing happened with, uh, has happened with other, uh, there are other examples, falling water, Frank Lloyd Wright's famous place has been rebuilt. Um, and I realize that the sole question is about the historic characteristic tonight, but I'm, I am unhappy that there are fellow Venturans who think that Father Sarah committed atrocities. We have his diaries and the letters to and from the Spanish army where he's criticizing them and we really couldn't stand each other. And there's an adequate amount of evidence that he was the champion of the Chumash. And as far as the representation that he deliberately caused diseases, diseases were not understood until a hundred years later with the work of Louis Pasteur. But if my neighbors have evidence that he committed atrocities, have them produce it and let's have maybe a moderated discussion about these issues. And if they can convince us that 
uh, Sarah is not the uh, great saint that we know him to be, then let's see it and we'll discuss it. But merely asserting, asserting something is not convincing. Let's see the evidence and let's discuss it. And, and let's represent the Chumash more with our monuments in town. And, uh, and let's see how to do that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Chair O'Neill, another uh, message came in for another speaker. Okay, uh, Ruben Mendoza. Ruben, I've unmuted you. Okay, uh, can you hear me? Yes, we can. And if you could state if you're a resident. I, I am not a resident. Uh, I live in uh, Monterey and uh, I'm a specialist on the California missions as well as on the life of Junipero Serra. Uh, first of all, I wanted to echo some of the commentaries by the historic uh, preservationists who have already chimed in. Uh, these are issues that I had already considered as a result of the discussions that I've been reading from a distance. Uh, first of all, uh, there is a fantasy heritage that seems to cloud the His Hispanic Catholic heritage of North America. I've been documenting this heritage for quite some time. Over the last 30 years, I've both studied and published on the question of the indigenous communities, as I am of indigenous extraction of Yaqui Indian or Novame origin. So I understand the arguments about historical trauma, but I also understand that erasure as well as uh, cultural appropriation are issues within these same communities. By eliminating the founding friar of San Buenaventura, what we are doing is using cultural appropriation, which has often been used against indigenous communities, to minimize the Hispanic, Catholic, Latino, and Mexican origin populations who colonized this region. So I do see this as an affront to that heritage. But more specifically, when we think about some of the characterizations of the missions, Father Serra, Payeras, who was another friar in about 1812, wrote about how disappointed Father Serra would have been if he had seen the conditions of the missions after 1810, when the Spanish government, the, the Viceroyalty, was under attack in an independence movement that minimized the ability to support both the military as well as the missionary operations. So we see a rapid decline. And it is in that period that many of the kinds of problems that occurred, occurred. Sarah passed away in 1784, and Native peoples came to his bedside to basically pray and to basically proclaim his sanctity. They, they wept visibly. And one other thing about the idea that the Spanish or the missionaries were spreading disease, the reality is I've published a paper on the fact of variolation being used in California from 1790s onward to inoculate some 20,000 Native Americans against smallpox and hence their survival uh, well into uh, the Mexican and ultimately American period. So- Thank you. I think we have to stop you there because that's your three minutes. Thank you very much. 
And we got one more request from Scott Shart. Scott, I've unmuted you. And Hello? Yes. And if you could state if you were a resident. So my actual name is Guillermo Pérez. I'm just using my friend Scott um, down here. I am a resident of Ventura County. I live in Camarillo. And although I'm not currently living in the city of Ventura, I have lived here before. First of all, I just want to thank all of you for being here today and for everybody who has come for me to share their comments and remarks as well. Appreciate it. I wanted to also thank Mr. Gillis um, for you know, making clear that the scope of this discussion today is not about whether or not to remove the statute, but whether or not it is in fact a historical landmark. I wanted to point out the fact that everybody who has attempted to give any sort of argument that this is not in fact a historical landmark seems to have been giving arguments that fall outside of this scope. Um, in other words, they have given simple assertions that, um, you know, for whatever reasons, um, that they might have mentioned, Father Sarah was not, you know, in fact, deserving of this honor, but that doesn't seem to be the question today. The question today is whether or not this is a historical landmark. As that has been said by other speakers before, I would like to echo the same sentiment that whatever caused the city of Ventura to determine that it was a historical landmark in 1936 does not change to this date. In other words, whatever that presumable reason still holds in place today, and at least that I'm aware of, there was no positive new evidence that would shed any light to say otherwise. Um, I think that's important to remember, and that yes, although technically the concrete statue is no longer in place, what the statue represents its significance, which is what determines its historical significance, in other words, what makes it a historical landmark, has not changed. And again, it is a clear continuation of that significance, even though it is bronze now. Thank you. That's all I wanted to say. God bless you. Thank you. Chair O'Neill, two more requests have come in. Okay. The, first, the first one is from Anna. Yes, Anna, hello. I've hello. unmuted you, and you can, if you can state if you're a resident. Yes, I'm a resident of Ventura. I've been a resident for seven years. And feel free, you can speak. Okay, so um, I do wanna stay focused on the, um, whether it's a historical landmark question. And um, I will say that it's very odd to hear that it's even being asked because just uh, less than three months ago, KYT News published an article where Tracy Lair reported about Father Sarah's statue and then it was wearing a mask. And in that article, she highlighted its landmark status and she did that twice. It's a very short article, so I'm gonna read just part of it. But uh, again, interesting that it was highlighted twice. Uh, so she's, so in this, she says, uh, so in Ventura, California, it, it, it is as if a famous landmark is sending a message to the people of Ventura to wear personal protective equipment. People in Ventura noticed the statue in front of City Hall with a mask covering its nose and mouth. Locals said a similar mask appeared when Ventura City Hall and the landmark statue, there it is again, landmark statue, survived the Thomas Fire a couple years ago. And uh, it, it goes on to talk about how locals are taking photos of the statue. And one local does say that Junipero Sarah 
is the head of Ventura. He has been with us from the beginning. And then she says, I'm sorry to see he has the mask on again. So I just want to highlight that again in KYT's news article, they did mention twice, you know, a famous landmark or that he's a landmark statue. And so it's very puzzling to me that we're even having this conversation. I'm happy we're having it. But at the same time, if the decision is determined that it's not, well, we've been all calling it the, the, uh, the wrong thing. Um, secondly, I just want to talk about some of the crimes and abuses that I'm hearing about Father Sarah and that he's being blamed for. And um, I wanted to mention that um, since someone already mentioned about the disease, I'll highlight this thing as well that a lot of the abuses that are talked about happened actually a long, long after his death. So it was um, California's first governor who called for a war of extermination against the Indians and called in the U.S. Calvary to help carry out genocidal plans. So I want to make that clear that was in 19, uh, sorry, 1851. And so, uh, and St. Junipero, he died in 1784. So there's no connection there. So I just wanted to make that clear. Um, other than that, uh, Jim Pacero was a great friend and defender of the Indians, and he often took their side against the Spanish government authorities who wanted to oppress them. Uh, there's lots of documented evidence about that, so I wish everyone would take their time, really look at that history, and uh, really, uh, at, at the end of the day, we want to build up a community, and we want to understand it once everyone's um, trying to be on the same page and same goals, but a lot of these things that are, are being said are very disingenuous, and so I think we need to focus on um, the truth. And that's all I had to say. Thank you so much. Thank you. And the next speaker is Kat. Kat, I unmuted you. Yes. Oh, good. Thank you. You can hear me now. I can hear you. And if you could state if you are a resident. Yes, I am a resident of Ventura. I've lived here since 1990. Um, Anna said it quite well. There has been much condemnation of Junipero Serra. He has been ac accused with a bunch of hearsay without a trial. He's, there's been a lot of condemnation without a trial. Um, let us approach this issue academically and thoughtfully. Let's actually hold a mock trial and hold up Junipero Serra's Sarah's uh, actual actions and his, the history of the mission. Um, let's get the museum officials involved. The museum, museum librarian has a wealth of information at her fingertips. Um, let's also in, possibly include uh, Michael O'Kelly who created the beautiful tile mural in front of the mission. He is also a student of history. Let's not condemn anybody without the facts. It would be a um, tremendous history lesson for the whole community if we can do this with intention and mindfulness. Thank you. There's no additional uh, individuals on my list. Okay, thank you. So typically we would have an applicant rebuttal, but this is a little bit of an unusual case. Um, does the staff have anything to add? Thank you, Chair. Uh, just, just to reiterate for the HPC that um, your, your position on the recommendation of the status of the 1989 replacement will 
help inform council's conversation next week about what to do with the statute long term. I want to make very clear to the public that whether the statute is uh, it, whether council decides it is still the landmark or not, council still has the authority to uh, keep the statue as it is, remove it, relocate it. Uh, this discussion is really just about what the process would be uh, for how council can can reach that that decision. Um, with that, I'm just available if uh, any members have any questions. Okay, so with that, we will close the public hearing and go into discussion and deliberation. Um, are there any questions, follow-up questions of staff, or would we like to begin um, making some remarks here? I'm going to scroll through my commissioners that I can see. Uh, Commissioner, uh, Committee Member Mercer, I see you're raising your hand. That um, landmark number three actually included the bronze statue. Can um, Peter? Can you clarify that? Yeah. So. Uh, Landmark number three was a, a designation of council by a resolution in 1974. Uh, when the replacement was made, they changed the paragraph that existed on the list, but we can't, could not find any actual council action that suggested they changed the status of the landmark itself. And there's a lot of public comments that, well, this is what they meant to do. They meant to do this. Well, our role is to follow what council actually did formally do, uh, current council and past council. And there, we don't have any evidence that shows that the original statute was ever delisted or de-designated. And therefore the argument follows that it is still the landmark. Uh, not because we have an opinion of this statute or the other, but simply because council's action was about the other statute, not, not this one. That doesn't mean that uh, a subsequent council action could not occur where this statute is found to have a level of, of historic significance, but it is certainly not landmark number three based on the information we have. Thank you. Um, thank you. Um, I don't see any other hands raised for at least for question. How, uh, a committee member Muller, I see your hand. Well, I just thought it might uh, be helpful to just uh, read the uh, criteria for consideration of commemorative properties as listed in the National Register criteria for evaluation, uh, the document we use to evaluate uh, statues and the like. And it says this, commemorative properties are designed or constructed after the occurrence of an important historic event or after the life of an important person. They are not directly associated with the event or with the person's productive life, but serve as evidence of a later generation's assessment of the past. Their significance comes from their value as cultural expressions at the date of their creation. Therefore, a commemorative property generally must be over 50 years old and must possess significance based on its own value, not on the value of the event or person being memorialized, and of course, we heard a lot of comments, uh, you know, expressing uh, a, his, a lively historical discussion on uh, 
Father Sarah as saint or sinner, uh, but that isn't the, uh, the question we're being asked to uh, evaluate. Uh, we're being asked to determine whether or not the statue that's in place, uh, in fact, is uh, landmark number three, or if because it's a replacement uh, and because there's no documentation that it was redesignated as landmark number three, if, if what's on the pedestal today is in fact uh, a, an historical landmark or not. Yes, I thank you. That um, took the words out right out of my mouth. I think um, um, I would like to hear from all the members of the committee. Um, there are really, you know, two elements. If we break it down, the first is is bronze is the bronze statue landmark number three, and the second one, if not, is the bronze statue a new landmark that is doesn't meet the criteria in our ordinance for landmark designation. Uh, so. Um, would, you know, anybody like, to, I think we should start with is, you know, is it the opinion of the committee that the, is that the statue, existing statue, bronze statue is landmark number three or not? Um, so we, if, if we, if we could each weigh in on that issue, I would greatly appreciate it. Um, would anybody like to begin? Committee member Muller, thank you. Well, you know, I'll put my head up and see what, uh, how I get shot at. But uh, I think uh, the uh, historical landmark number three is in storage. Uh, that's clearly the uh, item that was designated officially uh, by council action. And there's been no evidence that there was any change to that. And uh, I think we've been operating on an assumption uh, for many years uh, that may prove to be a basis for historical landmark status, but is nevertheless not at this moment confirmed to be so. Thank you. Uh, committee member, uh, Vice Chair Houston, I see you. I would agree with Member Miller, um, and it seems that the reason that we are here is because there was no formal, say, de-designation of landmark number three or any formal designation of uh, the bronze statue that's there now. And that even though the city has been representing the bronze statue as a landmark, it wasn't formally done and therefore we have to make that decision. My problem is that um, I, I think that the report that HRG did is looking at the statue sort of in isolation and evaluating it under the current criteria as to whether it should be a landmark or not. Um, I personally have to look at it as a continuum um, just because of this lack of clarity as to whether it is landmark number three or it, whether it was meant to continue as a landmark or not. Thank you, uh, um, committee member Mercer. I, we cannot hear you still, you may wanna start over. Can we unmute her please? Am I muted? You, we can hear you now. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I uh, believe I, I agree 
with the last two committee members and that there does not seem to be an official um, designation of this bronze statue being historic and falling under um, landmark number three, which is in storage. Um, not to say that different um, people, whether they be news people or periodicals that even the, the city might um, put out for tourists or anything might say landmark. Um, apparently, it's my understanding now that it, it's not an official designation and that's our charge tonight is to decide that. Thank you. Committee member Prezel, would you like to add? Uh, once again, we can't, oh, there we go. Now we can hear you. Thank you. Um, I would just like to comment that I concur. I believe it's, it's very clear that this is not landmark number three as it was designated. Um, and it does also appear very clear that the city and the community and many members of the community community have been operating under the kind of an assumption that the new statue is also a landmark. So uh, that's where we're at currently. Thank you. Yes, I will. I will concur with everyone on the first part of the item, um, whether or not this is landmark number three. I don't believe that it is. I also don't believe there's any such thing as an assumed or implied landmark in our ordinance. Um, and I also don't believe that we should um, perpetuate any faulty assumptions or errors that were made, whether it was put out by the city or a news person or a newspaper article, um, maybe just using incorrect terminology, but I don't believe that it, it is our duty to continue any errors made in the past. And really, we have the opportunity to correct the record um, that landmark number three is, is the, the concrete statue in storage. Um, so moving on from that point, um, the, the, the staff report and the um, supporting consultant report did um, provide an evaluation of the bronze statue as well for our consideration, stepping through the criteria. So I now would need to hear from the committee on whether or not you find the statute to meet any of the criteria, um, and if so, which ones and why. So let's see who's raising their hand. Nobody. Committee member Muller, he's, he's um, leading the charge tonight. Thank you. That, uh, Please, can you just start over because the beginning of your comment was muted and then you were, I think, um, uh, Madam Clerk unmuted you for us, but we missed the very beginning. So please begin again. Well, I, would, I was going to say that uh, I want to uh, commend uh, the, uh, the sculptor and the carvers and that whole team that put uh, the statue that exists today uh, in, into practice and, in, and executed it. Um, think of the uh, commitment and dedication to civic life by these fellas uh, and uh, the effort they must have uh, put and the, and the skill with which it was uh, done. Uh, that said, uh, the uh, intrinsic value of a statue is its artistic vision. 
and uh, what was happening in 1980s to replace the crumbling uh, Kanga statue was to replicate or try to duplicate uh, in a different material uh, the vision of the prior artist. And so um, on the criteria that it needs to have uh, artistic integrity as well as historic significance as an expression of uh, its time, uh, its creation in the 1980s is 30 some years or well 40 some years removed from the 1930s and so uh, is is a duplication of an expression that wasn't of its time so in in those two uh, senses I, I don't think it, uh, it it applies to or or makes the criteria for uh, uh, what a, a commemorative uh, statue has to have uh, to be considered historically significant. Thank you. Uh, that was very, um, uh, very well put. Um, who, without, who else would like to go next? Um, Vice Chair Houston, please. Um, okay, so I, I read through all of our ordinance and all the different ordinances that applied. And I don't think that we need to apply the National Register um, bulletin in this instance on commemorative properties because none of that discussion is actually in our ordinance. I guess I'm trying to go completely by what the Ventura ordinance and requirements are. So the, the ordinance doesn't have a 50 year or even a 40 year uh, time period uh, requirement for a landmark. And it doesn't have any wording about reconstruction and uh, or replicas in this case. Since we normally build, uh, deal with buildings, um, I would consider this sort of a, a reconstruction. And as Mr. Schaefer stated, uh, we do have a, a landmark number 20 that Ventura Pier that is completely a, res, uh, a reconstruction and probably not a faithful reconstruction of the original or even one of the historic piers that stood there. Uh, this particular statue is a very faithful reproduction other than its materials. Um, and standing on its own and as a continuum of that 1937, 36-37 WPA statue, I think that it could meet um, criterion three as reflecting or exemplifying a particular period of national, state, or local history, which would be the WPA, um, and potentially as criterion um, E or five, uh, possessing high artistic value. Um, and those are statements that address the criteria. Um, so that, I guess that's all I have to say on, at this point. Thank you. Excellent points as well. Um, committee members Mercer or Prezel, would you like to, would like to go? Committee member Mercer, please. 
Yes, those were my thoughts too. Um, and you put them quite well because we don't really have a specific time period. I'm also staying away from um, state and local requirements and just uh, keeping it to local uh, Ventura ordinances. Um, I believe it does have artistic value. Um, it has to do with local history, reflects a certain time period. And gee, you know, yielding or likely to yield information important to national, state, or local history or prehistory. So I think it does qualify. Now, do we want to, because it's generally 40 to 50 years that we consider something historic in Ventura, but that's a general, it, it, it's not an always, um, as was, was pointed out with some, uh, you know, like the pier that's a reproduction, um, a partial reproduction, but, could we deem it either a historical landmark or simply a landmark? And if it has landmark status, then it would still be protected. Um, it could be moved. You don't. There's no sequa, but it's it could be moved or not moved. It could remain where it is, and it would it would be protected. And I think that's real important for this structure because obviously the people that have shared with us tonight, we've there's a lot of passion about this statue, um, both pro and con, and that's not for us to weigh tonight or at another time as a committee. But I think it does certainly have meet the criteria in, in several areas for landmark status does it meet for historical landmarks? So I think I want to pose that question to the committee. Committee member Purzell, would you like to weigh in? Yes, um, let me unmute myself. Oh, I'm unmuted, okay. Um, I, I want to state that this has been actually fairly difficult, I'm sure for all of us. It has been difficult for me to look at this objectively. Um, I think it is appropriate that we're we're focusing on our local ordinance because I think that 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 is really what the conversation is about is about the local criteria at this point. I think when I read when I apply the criteria, I I could support the statue, the eighty nine statue under criterion E, but that's really all that's. I believe that would be the only one that I would feel comfortable with. I I could see that it possesses high artistic value, especially given it seems that it was a very painstaking process, the way that it was replicated. Um, I don't think that it reflects a particular period only because it's confusing. It's a little bit confusing since the original statue is related to the WPA era. And then this is, it's an exact replica, but the materials are not exact. So there's, that's, I, I don't see the connection there, but I do believe that it could be potentially eligible under E. Okay, thank you. I um, would like to just weigh in before um, we move on to additional comment. Um, yeah, I, I have a hard time making the findings that this meets the landmark criteria um, because it's divorced from the original sculptor. 
um, and the material, it was not really replicated in kind in terms of material. Um, so even, even with regard to possessing high artistic value, it seemed to me in reading the, the, the process involved that the, the, the actual basswood sculpture that was used to make the mold was actually the one that involved um, a high level of craft and um, uh, man hours and workmanship uh, that sits in, inside City Hall, I believe, still um, not necessarily the bronze casting of it. So I, I even find that to be flimsy. I don't think it represents a particular point in history because it's not the original statue. I think it re reflects 1989, but I don't think it reflects, um, as committee member Prezel pointed out, the WPA era history. Um, and I definitely do not think it reflects mission era history because it was you know, hundreds of years later. Uh, so I have a hard time making any of the findings that it's that it that it's a landmark. So let's keep discussing. Committee Member Muller, I think you were the first to raise your hand, actually. Keep in mind the distinction between craft and art. Uh, the skill involved in crafting the the mold, uh, the wooden mold for the present statue, is is great and and it's commendable. But uh, the artistic vision captured by that is, in fact, uh, the original artist, Kangas. And so, uh, you know, we have to, if we're looking for artistic uh, component, uh, it, it would have been uh, from 1936 uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the dress of the 1989 uh, replacement. Uh, so th this is another uh, difficult aspect in, in tying uh, the, the later statue to uh, any artistic, uh, intrinsic artistic element that, that uh, preceded it. Thank you. Committee Member Prezel, I think your hand was raised basically the same time as uh, Committee Member Muller, so please go ahead. Um, I was just gonna comment that I think that, I, I think it's interesting that the, the peer has come up, up in this discussion. I've looked at the peer in detail um, and I think there's a similarity here, what many members of the public, um, why this is identified often as a landmark, I believe, is because an object similar in size to this one has been at this prominent location for a very long time. So I think we have to decide if that means that this statue is historic or not is that enough the fact that you know what i mean it's it's tied to the loc i think at least part of it is tied to the the consistency in this object in this location very prominently placed in ventura and i don't know that 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 makes this statue historic thank you i think committee member mercer also was raising her hand is that correct yes I just wanted to clarify that uh, the difference between the wooden replica that was made, uh, there were a lot of local people involved um, and some sources list Master Carver Wilbur Rubottom. He had um, a lot of other um, carvers from a carving club with him. The community took part. Um, it, it was very popular for, for children to you know, be bussed in to, in to see the process. So that's that wooden one that is in the atrium 
of the courthouse now. Uh, this current bronze statue, yes, it was. Um, um, all the details were taken from that. It's my understanding that a group of students from College of the Desert and Palm Desert uh, were commissioned for $17,000 here. It has to you know, make a cast of the wooden one and replicate this one in, in pieces. So I think that changes and sort of takes us farther away from the original um, artist of the um, original landmark number three that's in storage. Uh, it divorces us quite a bit. So in that case, I, you know, I too have some difficulty saying that this is historic. And that's the art versus crafts um, question too. But I think it does obviously have value for the people of Ventura in um, communicating the history of our community to them in different ways. Of course, we've heard that this, this, this evening, but it certainly does communicate a portion of Ventura history to our community. But that given, is it possible again to not have a, a historic landmark, but to be, just have a landmark? And there's, I think, a difference between the two and the criteria. Question for the group. Um, thank you. I saw, I think I saw, uh, Vice Chair Houston, I think I saw your hand first. Please, please go ahead. Uh, let Mr. Muller go ahead because my stupid phone is ringing. And <laughs> okay. Can we Mr. Muller, please go ahead. Um, there you go. Uh, the question I have is that it sounds like landmark status uh, offers some sort of protection, uh, but it doesn't uh, imply historical landmark uh, designation and and that this might be uh, a step that would protect the, uh, the statue uh, and yet um, not require that it uh, uh, be involved with uh, environmental impact reports and so on to move it. Uh, and, and I guess that's a question I have maybe for staff or, or someone who knows what the implications would be of, uh, of just the landmark status. And then yes, think, oh, sorry. We, are, we are in a position or capable of, of doing that by our own action or does it need a project number and staff research and the presentation? Thank you, I, yeah, I, I, think, um, I think Mr. Gilly is ready to respond. Yes, thank you, Chair. Uh, I took some notes on uh, when the speaker was talking about about this, uh, a couple points want you to consider in this discussion about uh, landmark versus a historic landmark. The definition of landmark is in the chapter of historic preservation. So to claim there's no connection between landmark and historic landmark, it's in, it comes under historic preservation. Uh, it, I think it comes a little bit back to did the original authors of the ordinance mean for that to be that way? Not sure, but I think if there's any designation uh, assigned to an object, a building uh, by the city, then whether it's historic or something, I believe it would still qualify as something you'd have to study under CEQA. Uh, so 
it it for all intents and purposes, uh, I I would suggest just sticking with is it is it a historic landmark or not? If you want council to, if the point is making sure that there is a method to protect the object if it is moved, because there's been no decision, uh, HPC can include that in the in their minute motion, and we can pass that on to council. Uh, and whatever the uh, whatever the method used in order to provide that type of protection, if council wants to put that in, we'll be able to find a way to do that. Thank you. Does that um, answer your question, committee member Muller? Because it's, it's a good question to have an answer on the record. Would require further discussion by us to, to frame uh, something into the resolution that would uh, uh, get get that to happen uh, at the city council level, uh, but uh, if that's something we can do uh, yet tonight and uh, make it part of the discussion of the future of this uh, statue, uh, it might be worth doing. Um, uh, Vice Chair Houston, I think you were, yes, back to you. Okay, I'm ready. Um, I. Uh, I did want to respond to the landmark versus historic landmark because I think um, uh, I think that's been clarified. But to me, um, historic, we can determine that this is a landmark, whether it's called his. We all we can do is go by the criteria, um, and it will be called a historic landmark. But there isn't an age criterion um, that we have to meet for that. Uh, on the other subject of the, the wooden um, statue, I had thought about that as well when I was reviewing the report and thought, you know, whatever whatever we come up, at least in my mind, whatever we come up with for the bronze statue also should apply to the wood statue. For both the original 1930s statue and the 18, uh, 1989 statue, there was a lot of public involvement um, and public participation in, in making them happen. Um, and a lot of volunteers in the 1989 uh, effort. So I think that's important to the story um, and why it's an integral part of the community of this statue is, whether it was the concrete one or the model for the, the current one, which is a very faithful model uh, to the original. I guess that's all I have to say. Um, okay, um, I have a question for staff procedurally. If a motion is made that doesn't carry, do we need a replacement motion to carry or does it just not carry? And that's the we make. I, I'm I'm a little cons, confused. I don't know that we have consensus one way or another yet, um, or that we will. So I I would like to know. You know, I guess in this case we pretty much have to have one that carries because um, we're all here, um, unless somebody declines to vote. But so it's probably not going to be an issue. But I thought I would ask. Peter, do you want to chime in on this? 
So essentially, if we make a motion and, it, and it's defeated, it doesn't carry, does that make the opposite motion true? Or somebody would need to then make a formal motion in the opposite, in the opposite point, and then that motion would have to carry. That's, That's correct. What I understand. Okay, thank so you. So if you make a motion, it doesn't carry, someone will need to offer up another motion, it be seconded, and then you all vote on that one. Thank you. You also have the option of splitting motion into pieces. Uh, because there may be one piece of the motion that there is, is consensus and then other parts that are not. Right. So just, just for example, you, you split this into uh, what is landmark three? Yeah. I think there's consensus on that. Agreed. Second question, maybe there isn't consensus, but if those are two separate motions, that could work. Also want to add one quick thing for the record. Uh, the city does not own the wood statue. We are, we have, we are renting it. It is, it is not ours. Um, which is why it hasn't been part of any of these. Uh, it, it, it's owned by the group that originally made it. Okay. So allowing us us to have it in our building. Thank you. Yeah, and I and I think the only reason it's been brought up is to make some sort of distinction between what would represent the craftsmanship um, and the man hours more in this case. Not necessarily, you know, that we would that anybody thinks we would be extending any, uh, you know making any judgments on that tonight just brought up as a point of counterpoint i guess um, um i'm looking for any further discussion I, I i i totally hear what vice chair houston is saying i am impressed with the you know when in reading the descriptions i was not here in 1989 i i was um states away um but i i was impressed with you know, the community effort that it was, I thought how neat it would be for my son to see them carving, you know, today, working on this carving at, at the livery today. Um, I, I hear all that, I just, and I, and I obviously understand that there's a lot of, you know, emotional investment in the statue in the community one way or the other. Um, I still don't think I could make findings, make the findings in the ordinance that it represents any of the five criteria that we would need to apply. Um, just factually, um, you know, uh, I, I could not make those findings. Um, I, I'm open to have further discussion, um, or we could at least do a motion on the first part on what is landmark number three and continue discussing. I see a uh, committee member Mercer is raising her hand. Please go ahead. Yeah, emotionally, I don't want to agree with you, but um, I too am having trouble really justifying historical status for this. I mean, everything, when I go down the list and I talk to my, myself through it, um, everything is a stretch. I'm stretching everything to make it fit. I think most important for me though, is that this, that everyone know that this, this is important to the community in many different ways. And I would like to see it remain safe and, <laughs> If we can somehow accomplish that um, with some assurity that you know somebody is not going to get this and it's going to be cast aside or something else that would um, not honor what we have here from 1989, then that's the direction I would go. Uh, Mr. Gilly, was it your suggestion that we would? make some sort of rec recommendation to council on you know that whatever decision they make the statue be adequately 
adequate protections be put in place um, in addition to one or two motions? Was that was that what you were suggesting before? I want to make sure I understood that properly. Yes, yes, uh, and I can't put it up on my screen that maybe can be used as a starting point if there is interest. Uh, clearly, if, if the council leaves the statue in its present location, then it's in a public, it, it's on public property, it gets maintained. So uh, the, the, the addition to the motion could be if the city council decides to relocate the statue, encourage, encourage the city council to ensure proper protection and public access is provided similar to if the statue were a designated landmark. Okay, and could we make, is it possible to make that as a separate, once again, a separate motion to make a formal recommendation instead of adding it to a different motion? Yes. Okay. Um, well, I'm just going to do one thing because I think at this point, based on what I'm hearing, it's a matter of procedure, which is to make a motion that, that the 1989 Father Sarah statue in front of the City Hall is not, in fact, landmark number three based on the facts in the record. So if we have a second, we can vote on that. I'll second. Okay, can we have a roll call vote? And the second was from Committee Purcell? Purcell, yes, thank yes. you. Committee Member Mercer? Yes. Committee Member Mueller? Committee Member Mueller? Yes. Committee Member Purcell? Yes. Vice Chair Houston? Yes. Chair O'Neill? Yes. That motion carries 5 0. Thank you. Okay. Now, would anyone like to make a motion either way on the second item? I feel like we discussed it and as as a group overall that the 89 Father Sarah statue in front of City Hall is on historic landmarks. So I will make a motion that the 1989 Father Sarah statue in front of City Hall is not a historic landmark. I will second that motion. So if there's no further discussion on it, we can have a vote. Seeing none, can we have a roll call vote? Committee member Mercer? Yes. Committee member Mueller? Yes. Committee member Purcell? Yes. Vice Chair Houston? No. Chair O'Neill? Yes. That motion carries four to one with uh, Vice Chair Houston dissenting. And then now regarding the idea of crafting a formal recommendation from this committee to City Hall, that regardless of any decision on related to the statue, um, that it that protections be guaranteed, um, whether whether it's relocated to a different site, um, left in place, um, the, the the statue will remain an intact statue is essentially what what I believe we would like to formally recommend. Um, is, um, Mr. Gilly, can you read what you had said before as well, just to see if, 
I just want to hear what you had suggested earlier. Yeah, so the, the text that I put together was if the city council decides to relocate the statute, uh, we encourage the city council uh, to ensure proper protection and public access is provided similar to if the statute were a designated landmark. I like that language better than my fumbling language. Um, so I would make the motion that this committee formally makes the recommendation as stated by Mr. Gilley to city council for their hearing on July 7th. I will second. Okay. Um, do we have any further discussion or anything to add to that motion? Okay, seeing none, um, I think we're ready for a roll call vote. Committee member Mercer. Yes. Committee member Mueller. Yes. Committee member Purcell. Yes. Vice chair Houston. Yes. Chair O'Neill. Yes. That motion carries five zero. Okay. Um, that concludes this item. So uh, we'll move on to uh, staff communication. Is there any, are there any um, items that staff wishes to report? For the committee or members to the members of the public. Uh, thank you, Chair O'Neill. Committee members, there are no staff communications. Thank you. Um, I think then we can adjourn our meeting. So um, thank you, everyone, so much for your input tonight and your thoughtful responses. Um, I look forward to tuning into the council meeting on on Tuesday. So the, the meeting is adjourned.